Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Pastor Bob McGregor here at Grandview Baptist Church. And I'm Stan Fowler, an elder here at Grandview Baptist Church and a professor emeritus at Heritage College and Seminary. Something that is a little uh, better known now than it was a few weeks ago, for which we are grateful. Stan has a writing uh, ministry that sometimes um, puts him in places where the rest of us would fear to tread, but there he is. Venture into the public square. <laughs> so, And we're grateful for that. Uh, Stan, today we want to talk about or respond to um, a conversation that appears every once in a while that affects our preaching. A lot of our listeners have an interest in preaching. And it kind of comes to our attention from an interview that I saw, and I know you saw it as well, with uh, prominent evangelical leaders, Bruxy Cavi for one, and Andy Stanley for another. And we've mentioned Andy before in his, un, his uh, talk about being unhitched from the Old Testament. We have. Uh, but it surfaced again, like I said, it comes up every once in a while. And the interview between Bruxy and, and Andy really interested me. And I, because I, I, hear, I hear them saying that it's all about Jesus. Well, I can resonate with that. And that in our preaching, uh, we need to recognize that the authority is in Jesus, so we need to be talking about Jesus. And uh, the, the problem that we face is we've got this thing called the Bible, these Pauline epistles and revelation that can sometimes uh, obstruct what we're doing as we preach Jesus. And so I want to talk about that idea. Um, what does it mean to acknowledge the authority of Jesus in our preaching, and how, how should, when I preach, make more of Jesus and less of the text of Scripture, if that's even something I should be concerned about as a preacher or yourself as a teacher, for that matter? Wow, this is a really big topic, and I, I confess I'm, I'm really glad that I I observed that conversation between Broxy and Andy, and and I resonate with much of it. I I can appreciate what they're saying. I I think over my own uh, preaching ministry, which goes back wow, forty eight years or something like that now, and I, and I realize I'm much more comfortable doing an exposition of. New Testament epistles and kind of straightforward, logical, deductive sort of preaching. Well, that I'm might not, be because you studied as an actuary, too. You come by it honestly. Oh, well, that, that, that was my earlier life. Yeah, yeah but uh, that contributes to it, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I did that degree in math as well as degrees in theology. So, but but for whatever reason, I'm, I mean, I'm comfortable with that. I've now, I've preached the Gospels, but I, I think I've, I've never felt quite as competent doing that for some reason. And yet, what Bruxy and Andy have to say and what others have had to say, I remember reading a book by Scott McKnight that essentially said it, and that is what we have in the four books called Gospels is, is the Gospel. They're called that because that's what they are. They're explaining the good news about the arrival of the Son of God as human and Messiah. 
and, and what he did in his life, his teaching, and in his death and resurrection. So Jesus is the heart of it all. I mean, Jesus himself said to the apostles before his ascension, I, I've, you know, I've, I've explained the law and the prophets to you because they all point to me. They all speak of me. So we have to understand Jesus as the center of it all. That, that's for sure. And, and so I'm thinking, okay, as I preach and teach, what are the ways that I, I, I at least need to speak of Jesus more frequently as, as indeed the heart of the matter? I mean, if I'm, if I'm exhorting people to live what I understand to be a biblically driven lifestyle, I, I may find the way of saying, after all, this is the lifestyle of Jesus that we're called to imitate and obey. Sometimes I hear people say, um, when I'm preaching through the epistles, and some of Paul's writings are, this is how you behave. You know, and Paul's not out. the only writer of epistles. You've got Peter and John and Jude and James okay. and so on. Yes, and, <laughs> and they tend to be very practical. Um, concern with, with right living, right? And so you're preaching that, and you, you, it sounds like you're just saying, smarten up, behave this way, this is, what, this is how Christians think, and this is how Christians do. And so the criticism is that there's so much more to, to following Jesus than a list of, of things to do. The authority is in Jesus, not Paul. Almost to say that we're not to, as a church, and I don't, I don't think any of those guys would go there, but it just came across to me as saying, um, it's not enough, or, or the authorities in Jesus worship Jesus, love Jesus, and minimize this whole instructional piece on how to obey the commands that Jesus said we're to teach. And, and I find it an interesting challenge to concern myself with these commands, and at the same time, weaving into these, the obedience of these commands, a worshipful attitude of Jesus and a recognition that these are the commands of Jesus whom we love. Maybe that means, uh, does, does it perhaps mean then that as, as we teach what Paul or Peter or John uh, instruct us, that um, maybe we pick up on something that Andy mentioned in that dialogue, and that is we could, instead of just saying the Bible says X, we can say Peter or Paul, an apostle commissioned by Jesus to be his authoritative spokesman, tells us this. He learned from Jesus. Peter observed it in the life of Jesus in a way that Paul didn't even. John reminds us of that in 1 John. We, we saw him, we touched him, we heard him, uh, etc. So it's kind of a, I, I kind of resonate with, with, with Andy's suggestion that I find a way of saying that all this is true because this is written by a man who was with Jesus and commissioned by him. Can we go a little further than that? And I'm just thinking out loud here. When we deal with the apostolic teaching, the doctrine, can we agree that it's more than just their words as mere men, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit and maybe Jesus, because Jesus 
instructed them, and he said, I'm going to pray the Spirit will bring to your mind all the things that I've, I've spoken to you about, so that when we're hearing the words of the apostles, can we say that these are the, these are the words of Jesus, this is the will of Jesus, it's not, we've not lost anything in translation when it comes out of the apostles' mouth. I mean, can we go that far as to say, this is the word of Jesus? I know it's in Paul's epistle, but it's the word of Jesus. Oh, I think we clearly have to go there. I mean, you, you referred to the, the text in John 14 where we have the account of Jesus saying to the apostles there at that last Passover meal, uh, all this rich instruction. You know, he said, when I send the Spirit to indwell and empower you in this new covenant way, he's going to, he's going to bring to mind all that I've taught you. So you'll be able to teach authoritatively my word. And then two chapters later, in John 16, still in that same speech to the apostles, he says, I, I, I've been with you and I've taught you, but I have many more things to say to you. And I will send the Spirit, and the Spirit will guide you into all that truth. I, I think it's crucial that we recognize when, when Jesus said the Spirit would guide them into all, all truth, that, that was not just the general promise that the Spirit would guide the church to understand truth. That was specifically a promise to the apostles that the Spirit would teach them the rest of God's final word spoken in Jesus. So when the apostles teach, they teach as his authoritatively commissioned representatives, empowered by the Spirit, to speak the truth that mm-hmm. God has spoken through his son. So that's crucial. There's, yeah. no, there's no dichotomy right. between what Jesus taught, what the apostles taught, because they were, they were commissioned by him and empowered by the mm-hmm. Spirit to speak authoritatively for him. So when we read the word of the apostles, for instance, and this is a tradition that we could revisit, that we affirm this is the word of the Lord. That's right. And remind people that... You may have an issue with Paul, or you think you have an issue with Paul, but your issue is with Jesus. My grandmother used to, she was in a different tradition, an elder in a different tradition, and she always used to say to me, well, you know, Bob, you don't have to listen to Paul. Paul just had issues. He, he just didn't like women or, or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I knew enough to know where that was coming from, but it was out there. And I just hear echoes of that. Uh, in in that interview, that somehow we 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 shouldn't care what Paul says, and I know I shouldn't care what Paul says. But when Paul speaks as an apostle of Jesus, um, I'm not listening to Paul really. I'm listening to Jesus, and I think in my preaching, I probably need to pull up my socks on that and. Because I make too much of Paul. I talk about Paul all the time. And I can see how people might think that this is the church of the Apostle Paul. Um, But I don't need to do that. I can remind people over and over again that Paul spoke, as did the others, as they were instructed by Jesus. Well, indeed. In in fact, uh, it's kind of amusing to... um to see the extent to which we get caught up with Paul, the apostle. Many times I've heard a preacher who was preaching from, let's say, First Peter, mm-hmm. 
So now Paul says, oh, oh, no, actually, right. this is Peter. Uh, now, now, Paul wrote, well, 13 epistles. Certainly, I don't think he wrote Hebrews, but that's another debate for another time. Um, but, mm-hmm. but we do easily get, get caught up in that way. Now, one of the, but I think we, we can easily create a false dichotomy. And as much as I resonated with, with a number of things that Broxy and Andy were saying in that dialogue, the, the, the most fundamental concern I have is with what seemed to be driving the edge of a wedge in between the biblical text and Jesus and, and saying the authority is in Jesus, not in the text. And there, I think, mm-hmm. in fact, I think back to a sermon I preached here a while back in which, which I pointed out if you read those red-letter words mm-hmm. in the New Testament, which I don't even like that form of a Bible, but sometimes it's that way. If you read the red-letter words that Jesus spoke and you ask, what was Jesus' attitude toward the biblical text? His attitude was, if it's written there, it's true. So to divide, to create a divide between the authority of Jesus and the authority of the biblical text is simply a a false dichotomy. And false dichotomies are not good. Mm-hmm. It's not to be accepted. Now, I, I, I don't think everybody, for example, I don't think Andy Stanley is saying the authority is Jesus, not the Bible. But, but it's easy to drive that wedge and, and, um, and fail to grasp yeah. that Jesus himself affirmed the reality of the Hebrew Bible as authoritative and commissioned his apostles to, to speak authoritatively mm-hmm. for him. So what we have in the biblical text is, in fact, the word of the Lord Jesus. And I think we found ways to argue and fight over doctrine. We don't look at doctrine properly, and so it becomes just a, a source of struggle. And so some of these guys are saying, well, just be done with it, just just." put it where it belongs, you know, and let's just focus on Jesus and we won't have any struggles. kind of reminds me of how Paul uh, looked at the church in Corinth and said, some of you are of Paul, some of you are of Apollo, so you guys think you're of Jesus. Right. But you're not, you know, you're just another sect. And I, I just kind of feel that's what's going on here. And it's, it's wrong now and it was wrong then. And if we focus on Jesus as we ought, then, then we're going to be asking so what did Jesus teach? So that's going to take us back to some doctrinal debates. What did Jesus teach about hell? What did Jesus teach about the law? What did Jesus teach about sexuality, uh, about divorce, etc.? Well, what if that creates argument and tension? Well, then we, we recognize we are disciples of Jesus on a journey to understand his word and obey it, and we haven't arrived at unanimity and perfection mm-hmm. yet, but we're all asking that question, so what does obedience to Jesus mm-hmm. demand? And maybe the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, who has special insight to the word that he inspired, maybe he can help us come to an understanding if we give him a chance. That's the spirit poured out by the resurrected Jesus yeah. on us. 
Well, Stan, I, I know that this is going to, that it's already affected my preaching, just getting ready for Sunday. I've kind of thought through this and how can I uh, make more of Jesus? And I think it's a good thing uh, for us to think about, and I'm glad we've done that today. We keep on thinking, keep on growing, hopefully. Thanks for listening. Farewell. Bye-bye. Thank you.